0: Thank you, Samantha. Well, we had a great global impact celebration. Uh, when you when you consider all of the quantitative results, uh, they they were great. Uh, we had folks commit to full time Christian service as we give our life commitment cards. Six folks said that they felt like God was leading them into full time Christian service. We had twenty-eight who committed to go on short-term trips and another nine who said they would like to be a part of a, uh, an internship a long-term uh, mission trip a mission journey uh, we had sixty-five who committed to be missionary champions we will need more than that but that's a great start toward making sure that all of our missionaries uh, have someone building a relationship with them that they feel connected to our church and we're connected to them and making sure that we're ministering to them and caring for them uh, certainly, financially, we saw great things. If you take all things considered, uh, God raised about a half a million dollars last week for the cause of world evangelization, for the glory of God. Uh, and that's an awesome thing. The, 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 the offering is up to about 190000 and uh, faith promise commitment's at about 300000 So we praise the Lord for that. And, and remember, there'll be a match to that for the uh, mightily, whatever amount of that ends up with, at least 50000 match to that for the mightily. And so... Those are great victories, those are wonderful things and and those are the quantitative, I I would say behind that there are qualitative things that happened, uh, that are even, uh, that outpace those things. I've been told by by parents that their children felt like this was the greatest one ever and, and the opportunity to build relationships with missionaries and I know there was relationships restored. Uh, And and certainly that's a wonderful thing where we're able to rebuild and reconstruct relationships with people. And all of those things are very, very wonderful. And when when great things happen, when God is moving, we should should fully expect that Satan's going to make a counter move. If you looked at history, if you studied history, what you would find is all of history from all of time is God making a move and then Satan making a counter move against that. Uh, that is the story of history and i'm not trying to be super spiritual or or anybody of any responsibility uh... in, in anything I, I just want us to know that we are in a war we're in a fight uh... it's not a world war it's a war for the world uh... and and We are going to experience attacks and those attacks are going to come from the three enemies that the word of God identifies the world, the flesh, and the devil. And and oftentimes, I'll be honest with you, the the issue in my life uh, most often is not the devil, it's the world and the flesh uh, that I struggle with. And and so we we should always expect when when God makes an advance, then there's going to be a counterattack. Uh, that's a principle of warfare. When when new ground is taken, well, the enemy's going to seek to take it back. You know, I think about Joseph and Sherry. Uh, they they are in Zambia, Africa. They just uh, arrived there a few months ago, and in the few short months that they've been there, their their vehicle was robbed, and all of their supplies were taken. Sherry was in a terrible accident. Uh, life only preserved by by the amazing grace of God. Uh, and then most recently, their home was broken into, not their home. They were staying at the home of another missionary, and that home was broken into. And while they were sleeping, someone came in and, and robbed them. Uh, praise the Lord that their lives were preserved. And uh, But but when when you step out, and that, that's the story I've heard from so many missionaries. When they step out and when they arrive on the field, uh, that initial time so often is full of, of attacks, where the enemy is, is seeking to, to stop us from doing what God's called us to do. It's a war for the world, and, and we need to understand that, and so we're going to talk about that today. A couple of weeks ago when we, we, we talked about Brandon, we talked about this mighty man, one of David's mighty men, Shama, uh, who fought for a linen field. Remember, he was in a bean field, uh, but he fought for that bean field, and he fought for that bean field because God put him there. Uh, and he saw the inherent value in the call of God on his life and doing what God had called him to do. And what the Bible tells us is the Lord wrought a great victory. Uh, when he fought, the Lord wrought a great victory. We, we talked about uh, over our, our Global Impact Celebration, the children of Israel, and they had been exiled for 70 years, and uh, they're, they're in Babylon. But when they returned back, uh, they, they came back to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple, and, and when they set out to do that, they, they started strong, and, and God had given to them a great victory, this decree by Cyrus that, that they could come back, this Gentile king allowing them to to rebuild Jerusalem and to return to worship in Jerusalem. He provided the resources for which they they needed to do that. And those are incredible victories, but as soon as the victory came, immediately on the heels of that, there was an attack. And what happened to them, what happened to the children of Israel, as we learned, was they they got discouraged and they got defeated. And and they ceased the work. They, They stopped building the house of the Lord they they got distracted from what God had called them to do because of the enemies and they went away from it and for 14 years they failed to build the house of the Lord I well, the quotes that got me uh, when Jay was preaching on Wednesday night was was when he said when you when you find yourself agreeing with the enemy he has no need to attack uh, when we find ourselves agreeing with the enemy he has no need to attack I, I would say apparently uh, he doesn't see us agreeing with the enemy uh, because he has seen the need for an attack on us uh, and and we want to through the midst of the attack remain strong because we're we're not in a world war we're in a war for the world and that world not being the the physical planet that world being a planet of men women and boys and girls who have never come to a knowledge Uh, of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ literally millions of people around the world so if you want to take your Bibles I want us just to to look at a simple text this morning uh, coming off a global impact celebration and and talk about this war that we're in and and just some things that we need to understand about it's in 1st Timothy chapter 1 Paul is writing to Timothy his son in the faith 1st Timothy chapter 1 verses 18 to 20 Paul reminds him that that he is in a battle First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 This charge I commit unto thee son Timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou, mayest, uh, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare holding faith and a good conscience which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme now, Paul writes to Timothy and he wants Timothy to realize that we're in a war he wants Timothy to see that, that he's in a real fight, that this is a real war. This is not an allegory. Uh, this is not something that's, that's fictional. It's not just a type or a picture. It's a real battle. Uh, it's a real warfare. It's something that, that we should all recognize. It's not a physical fight. It's more real than that. It's more real than a physical fight. Most of us, if we were in a physical war, we would be very concerned. Uh, We we would be very careful how we carried ourselves. We would be very cautious. Uh, We would recognize that there's danger and there's an enemy and and that enemy seeks to destroy us. Uh, We should recognize that this is more real than that. Uh, That this enemy that we we fight against is greater than that and the enemy that we have isn't physical. It's spiritual. Ephesians, Paul writes to the church there and he says we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Uh, The battle isn't against flesh and blood. A lot of times we want to We want to act as if it is. We want to make people who don't agree with us our enemies. Uh, We want to pretend as if the world out there is is against us and that's who our enemy is. But but Paul reminds us that's not the enemy. We're not in a physical fight. We don't battle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We're in a spiritual fight. Uh, and a spiritual warfare, and it's a spiritual warfare that is against what's described as principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's a very regimented, uh, a very organized attack by spiritual forces. Now, those spiritual forces, as I said a moment ago, uh, they, 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 it's not only them, they, they have advocates in the world, this world system We shouldn't be surprised, Satan is the god of this world, we shouldn't be surprised that the world system is in agreement with him. And in an attack against Christ, against his word, against followers of Jesus Christ, there's an attack that comes. My flesh, my flesh is the advocate of these spiritual forces that seek to destroy what God wants to do. In fact, the Bible tells me. That the lust of my flesh, my flesh lusts against my, my spirit and wants to it seeks to destroy the working of God in my life. It, it's, a, it's a spiritual battle, and, and that which is spiritual is more real than that which is physical. And I, I know we have a hard time grasping that, but that's the reality. Paul told the church at Corinth that we shouldn't look at things that are temporal. That we shouldn't look at things that are physical. They're, they're only temporal, but the things that are spiritual, they're eternal, they're of greater consequence uh, and, it, and it's a, a greater battle. And, and this battle that we're in, uh, again, the, the world and the flesh and the devil, that the goal is to distract us from the real purpose of life. The goal is to keep us from living for the real purpose of life. Uh, when just a little later, in, in fact, you could you could just turn over a couple of pages to First Timothy chapter six. Uh, James, I think, referenced this during uh, the, the Global Impact Celebration. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, he says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they erred from the faith, piercing themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God... Flee these things. And and Paul says to Timothy, his his son in the faith, as he writes in this letter and he encourages him and he he, he encourages us today through the Holy Spirit of God to to flee that willfulness to be rich, to flee that love of money, to flee coveting after things that, that God hasn't entrusted to us, that we would flee from that, not strike a balance, but run from that, flee from that. And as we flee from that, we would follow after righteousness and godliness and faith and love and, and patience and meekness. Don't, don't live for temporal things. Don't live for materialistic things. Don't live with a, a willfulness to be rich or a love for money or covetousness or, or seeking all that we can get out of this life. Flee from that and follow after righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience and, and meekness. And the next thing that he says, verse 12, is that that's going to be a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight, but it's a fight. And I think we all realize that. To live my life on purpose, to live my life in light of eternity, to live my life, not allowing the situations and the circumstances of this physical life to defeat me and to destroy me is a fight. It's a daily battle. It's a daily warfare. It's a, a spiritual warfare. It's, it's psychops. It, it, it's a psychological battle. There's, the, the warfare is for the mind. That's why the Solomon said in Proverbs, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And he said, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And it's so difficult to move forward and to, to continuously live and to fight that fight. Paul says that the fight in verse 12 is so that we would lay hold on eternal life. He's not teaching a a works-based salvation. He's not suggesting that somehow I can fight this fight well enough that I would merit eternal salvation. Salvation is, is only given as a free gift through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Salvation is by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not earned. He's not talking about eternal salvation. He, he says that we would lay hold on eternal life when I trusted Christ by faith. When I submitted my will to His and understood that I couldn't save myself, eternal life laid hold on me. And it will not let go. I, I, I'm eternally secure through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. What Paul is suggesting to Timothy it's not that, that eternal life would lay hold on him, but that he would lay hold on eternal life. Now that you have eternal life, allow that to lay hold on you. Live for that. Lay hold on eternal life. L- we should live our lives for eternity. We should live our lives in light of eternity, but we should also understand that's going to require a fight because everything around us is leading us in a different direction. Everything around us is encouraging us to live for other reasons. We've got to recognize that we are in a war and if we don't recognize that we're in a war, odds are we're gonna lose it. We're we're not gonna win the fight if we don't recognize we're in a fight. Uh, So we've got to recognize that it's a war and and, and let me just say quickly, we, we need to recognize there's a right war. We need to be fighting on the right front. Uh, and, and so often it's easy for us to, to allow ourselves to fight among ourselves, uh, and that isn't the right warfare. Uh, the right warfare uh, is, is the one against the enemy, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's against what Satan is desiring to do to destroy the work of God in the world. There's very few things. You know, I, I've been in church ministry for a long time, almost 30 years. I grew up in church, uh, so I, I've been a part of the church my whole life, uh, and, and I, I have Honestly, never seen, I've never seen an issue in church that had anything to do with the Bible or, or spiritual things. It's always over preferences and, and what we desire and what we think and not about what God says. Uh, and, and we shouldn't let that be so. We need to fight for the glory of God and the souls of men. Uh, those are the things that matter. Those are the things that are going to last for eternity. There's so many things that we concern ourselves with that, that two milliseconds into eternity aren't going to matter at all. They're not going to be important at all. What matters is the glory of God and the souls of men. And God has allowed us this privilege to be liberators. We're, we're, we're to bring deliverance, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And So Paul says it's, it's a war, it's a fight, it's a real fight, and there's a charge in this fight. He says, I charge... I, this charge I committed to thee. And so this, this idea of being charged, he's, he's commanding him. Back up in verse number five, he, he uses that same word. It's translated commandment. In verse 11, he says the gospel is committed to our trust. There's a charge In this war and it's important that we understand that 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 we've we've been drafted Uh, this is not something that we we choose if we're going to be involved in fact it's even it even goes beyond that it goes beyond being drafted it it's it's we've been bought we've been purchased we we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ amen Uh, he he bought me with his precious blood first Peter says he he purchased me with the the blood of Christ first Corinthians Paul writes to that church, and and he says to them, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. We belong to him. I belong to him. I'm not my own. This is not, you know, I'm not choosing to volunteer. This is not something that's optional. This is something that I've been bought. I belong. I'm I'm a gladiator. I, I belong to God. And this fight that I'm, I've been called to is, is one that I've been commanded, I've, I've been led into, I've been charged to be a part of, I've been given this stewardship. There's no volunteers in God's army. You know, I think sometimes that's what's wrong. I think sometimes that's what happens to us in the church. We, we somehow have convinced ourselves that we're volunteers and, and that everything that we do is optional. You know, and I, and I choose if, if I'm going to get involved in what God has for me or if, if I'm not. Uh, and that's not the case. We're we're we've we've been bought. We've been drafted into God's army, and and you know it's a great privilege. It's a great privilege to be called into God's army to do God's work. Amen. Uh, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, God has allowed us. We've been allowed of God to be put in trust with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a great privilege to represent him. And so we're, we're either committed soldiers or, or we're, we're, we're AWOL. We're, we're absent without leave. God has called us into it. And we want to, to be involved in the work of the Lord. And we don't want to allow things to cause us to become discouraged, to cause us to cease to be what God has called us to be. We're in a, we're in a fight, and there's a charge in that fight, the children of Israel, as we learned, looking at Ezra and looking at uh, Haggai's prophecy, they, they started well. Uh, they, they got a good go. They got a good start. But, but when the attacks came, uh, they, they backed off. They ceased. Uh, they ceased to build God's house. And they began to build their own houses. And we don't want to allow that to happen to us. We're at war, and, and we need every soldier. We need everybody involved. We need everyone uh, involved because God has a place for every person. He puts us all in His body. He, he places us according to the Word of God. He gifts us, each and every one, to be a, a functioning member. Remember, we studied last year what it means to be a church member. We found that we're, we're all to be functioning within the body. We have a role to play, and we need to be playing that role and be about that business and understand where God would have us serving in His body. In, in, a, in an army, we're either... A wall, or, or maybe, you know, in the army, it's actually if you're, you're absent without leave for 30 days, you're, you're counted as a deserter. Uh, we don't want to be that on God. Uh, we want to be involved in His work. We want to be involved in the ministry. So there's a, there's a war. It's a real war, and, and we're, we're, we're called into it. We're bought to be a part of it. The, there's a charge in it, and, and there's a weapon in the warfare. 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 18 says that it's according to the prophecies. Paul writes to Timothy and he says there's this warfare and, and it's according to the prophecies. And he says, "...by them thou mightest war a good warfare." There's a weapon in the warfare that we've been called to. And it's not a physical weapon. It's it's a spiritual weapon because it's a spiritual fight. It's the Word of God. It's the prophecies of the Word of God. And and when Paul writes to Timothy, he's he's saying to him, take those prophecies that that have been given to you and and war with those prophecies. Uh, Remember when we we were looking at the children of Israel in Ezra chapter 6, what we found was when, when Haggai comes, he he prophesied to them, verse 14 says, and the elders of the Jews built it and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai. They, they prospered through the prophesying. Verse 15 says the house was finished. It, it was through the, the prophecies of the scripture. They had, they had ceased the work. They had quit, to be involved, quit being involved. They had stopped building God's house. They began building their own house. They become discouraged and despondent. They became defeated because of the attacks of the enemy. Uh, they backed off from their position. Uh, they, they failed to, to follow through with what God had called them to do. They became interested in the things of this world and the, the things of themselves. They took God's resources and used them to build their own house. And When Haggai comes with the word of God, they, they, they prospered through the prophesying. Uh, they prospered, not, not necessarily. Not necessarily financially, uh, but they prospered in their lives. They moved forward with what God had called them to do, such that they were able to finish what God had called them to do. Uh, I encourage us to continue to go forward, to continue to follow through. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of the discouragement, I'll be honest with you, I've struggled this week. I've struggled this week. (laughs) I've struggled with discouragement. I've struggled with despondency. I've struggled with defeated, being defeated. I've struggled in asking, why in the world has this happened? And I can't answer the whys. But I can tell us this today. It can't stop us from what God's called us to do. We cannot allow ourselves to get under the circumstances. Just a few weeks ago as we were studying the the principles of missional living, uh, one of the lessons that we studied was not getting under the circumstances. We don't live under the circumstances. We live above the circumstances. We don't have to be subject to the things that happen in our lives. We can live lives of victory. In fact, the victory has been won. We just must appropriate it. We just have to go out and live in it. I can't allow the, the fight that I am in is a fight for my heart and my mind. It's mainly from the world, the flesh, and the devil's involved. And he seeks to destroy me, and he seeks to destroy you, and he seeks to destroy this church, and we can't let it happen. We've got to choose to believe the truth. We've got to choose to stand on the authoritative words of the living God. We've got to prosper through the prophesying. It doesn't matter what my circumstances say. It doesn't matter what my situation says. When the children of Israel, they heard the truth and they obeyed the truth, they prospered, and the work of God was finished. Remember a few weeks ago, we saw Jesus Christ comes to the end of his life in John 17, and he's praying back to the Father. He says, I have, I have glorified thee on the earth. He's praying. And then the very next phrase is, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. He finished the work. That's how we glorify God. We keep moving forward. We keep going forward in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of, of trial and trouble and struggle. We go forward because the battle is a a spiritual battle. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, "Though we walk in the flesh, we war not after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I'm going to tell you, that's the fight that I've been in this week. Is not allowing those, those imaginations and those high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. I've fought to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, to still believe that my God is sovereign, that He is in control, that He can be trusted. Regardless of what's happening uh, again. I'm not trying to abdicate anybody of any responsibility. I'm just saying We can't allow Ourselves to get defeated we are in a fight We are in a warfare and it's so important in the midst of the warfare that we allow this book to be our authority It's so important that we come back to the truths of the Word of God and that we stand on those Not on our experience not on our situation, not on our circumstances, but we stand on the authority of the written words of God. What the Bible teaches us in this text is in a warfare, and it's true, there's always winners and there's always losers. And Paul writes to his son Timothy, and the, he, he calls out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. He says, holding faith and, and good conscience, which some... Having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. There's there's winners and there's losers. There's winners in the warfare. There's those that hold faith. We've got to hold on to faith. Faith is not pie in the sky, it's not just some nebulous thing that's out there somewhere that everything's going to turn out all right. That's not what faith is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is the truth of this book that I have put my hope in, that that I, I find my peace in, that I find my joy in, that my God is going to take care of me. He's going to take care of you. And my eternal destiny is secure in the person of Jesus Christ. We've got to stand in faith. Titus, Paul writes to him, and he says, holding fast, the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers Paul admonishes Titus to hold fast to, to have a grip one of those one of those mighty men that we didn't look at the other day, but when we were talking about Shama, there were three mighty men that were in those top three. And, and one of the three was, was a man whose, whose hand, he, he so had used his sword, the Bible said his hand claved to it. He, he wouldn't let go of it. And in times like these, that's, that's who we have to be. That's, that's the way that we, we find victory. That's the way that we, we don't fail. That's the way that we don't get defeated and dismayed and despondent. We, we allow the Word of God to be the closest thing to us. We, we hold fast to it. He says to, to Titus that he would hold fast the Word, that he would be able by sound doctrine, the specific teachings of the Word of God. It's the reason that we put so much emphasis on this book. It is our hope. We live in the last days. We're in the last moments of the last days. And I would submit to you that the the attacks are going to become only more intense as we go forward. As we move toward the end of time and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the attacks are going to intensify. And it's, it's more important now than ever that we hold our faith. Paul told Timothy in the second letter to hold fast the form of sound words. He goes on in chapter, chapter 2 and he, he admonishes Timothy to take those things in, in verse 2, those things that he's heard, those, those sound words that he's heard from Timothy, the things that he's heard of him among many witnesses, and to commit them to others also. We, we not only need to have faith for ourselves and, and hold strong to it for ourselves, but we've got to be people who are propagating faith. We're sharing faith. We're we're communicating our faith to others. We're encouraging others around us. We're we're taking those who, who may not have the same faith that we have, and we're encouraging them and building them up. When Paul came to the end of his life, and he's writing back to this same young man, Timothy, he tells him that he's fought a good fight. He says he finished his course. You know, that's, that's what he's encouraging Timothy to do. To fight that fight. It's a warfare. It's a battle. The Christian life is not the easiest life. It's the only life. It's not a playground. It's a battlefield. There's a war that has eternal consequences. People are going to literally spend eternity in one of two places. And God is either going to be glorified or He isn't in the life of every person. We're in a fight for that. And and God has a course. He has a course for me and He has a course for you. And He has a course for, for all of us as followers of Christ There's a course that that he desires for us to finish, just like we saw the children of Israel. They came back, they prospered through the prophesying, and they finished the house. They finished what God gave them to do. It's easy to start strong, but it's hard to keep going in the midst of the fight. What I'm encouraging us today to do is to keep going in the midst of the fight. Paul said, I kept the faith. A good fight my course, the faith. It's the same faith. It's the Word of God. God's asking us to keep it. That's the reason that that we so encourage you to be discipled. It's the reason that we so encourage you to read the Word of God in a systematic way. If you're not reading with us in 52 weeks of pursuit this week, would be a great week to, to get back in. If, you're, if you've been in and you've, you've fallen away or, or if you've not been a part, to get in this week because we'll be starting in the New Testament this week. Uh, and, and just between now and the end of the year, we'll complete the New Testament. And I, I encourage you to do that. It's necessary that we daily stay in the Word of God so that we can have the faith. We can hold faith, but not only faith. He goes on to say, and a good conscience. We need to have a good conscience. That that faith in the Word of God needs to dictate how we live. Paul, over and over again, has admonished Timothy about having a good conscience, uh, about not having a conscience that that has been seared. It's important that we... here's, Here's what I would say about our conscience. You should never trust your conscience, but you should also never violate it. You should never trust your conscience. This is the authority. My conscience isn't the authority. This book is my authority. I should live according to the words of God. But I should also never violate my conscience because my conscience is that internal alarm system that God uses to convict me and to correct me when I sin. But we need to live with a a good conscience. Paul said in Acts that he he was of none offense. He was void of offense toward God and toward man. And, And certainly that's our goal. You know, if... If this week, certainly it burdens me and, and it breaks my heart for people who are, who are struggling with illness and, and some who are struggling mightily with illness. Uh, it's no joke. It's no game. It's not a small deal. It's huge. And that, that gravely concerns me. But it also concerns me that we've given calls for the enemies of Christ to blaspheme. And that, that grieves me. I want to be of a good conscience toward God and man. It's important how we live. There's winners who have a have a hold faith and have a good conscience. And then there's lo- losers in, in the fight. And the latter part of verse 19, Paul says, some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. When we, when we put away faith, we make shipwreck. It's disastrous. It, 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 it hearkens into what he, he talked about before when he was writing to the church at Corinth where, or when he was talking to Paul, when Paul was talking to Timothy in the, the second letter, I'm sorry, and he talked about when we fail to live for the right reasons, when we fail to live for eternity, we, we make shipwreck of our faith. We, we destroy our lives. It's interesting to me that Paul, in the eternal scriptures, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God that will, that will last for all of eternity, there's people listed by name. I, I don't know what all of eternity is going to look like, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that I don't want my name in this list. He says, Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they should learn not to blaspheme. Again, Paul mentions... These two at other places throughout the scriptures. He, he talks about in 2 Timothy that, that Hymenaeus and, 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 and Philetus are, are two that, that were vain babblers. They, they didn't study to show themselves approved unto God. They didn't allow the word of God to be their authority. Alexander is one who, who did Paul much evil. He, he fought against what Paul wanted to do. And now their names are listed in all of eternity as those who were losers in the fight. He says we delivered them unto Satan, not, not to kill them or to, to bring them to an end, but to, to destroy the flesh. When Paul wrote to Corinth, he, he talks about the sin that's there and, and about delivering one unto Satan. He says for the destruction of the flesh. That's, that's the goal of all of that. Hymenaeus, Alexander, he, he wasn't trying to treat them mean. It was just men who, who had left the faith. They would ceased from the warfare. They were, they were AWOL. They, they'd stopped from the fight. I don't know why. I don't know what was going on in their lives. I don't know what kind of discouragement or defeat they had found. But, but they'd failed to live by faith. They'd failed to stand on the truth of the word of God. He, he identifies that. They, they didn't have faith and they didn't have a good conscience. And because of that, they were losers in the fight. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a loser in the fight. I don't want to allow the situations and the circumstances of life to take me out of the fight. I don't want to get so discouraged and defeated and despondent over what's going on around me that I I cease to live for eternal things. I don't think you do either. But I do believe that we're suspect to that. We're, We're tempted toward that. The opportunity is there for that, and that opportunity is going to continue to increase and increase as we move toward the last days my encouragement to us today is this, we're in a fight, we're in a warfare, there's a battle going on, it shouldn't surprise us, it shouldn't surprise us that, that after great victory, after God has wrought great victory, and, and I, I, I would argue that, that while it's the, the tangible things, the, the quantitative things are amazing, and, and, and it's incredible, and those are the things that we tend to celebrate, the qualitative things are even greater. I believe that the enemy hates to see the reconciliation of relationships. The, the enemy hates to see young people getting interested in the mission and, and what God has to do. The, the enemy hates to, to think that he could lose the life of a person uh, who might turn their heart toward him and live for his purposes in his kingdom. He hates those things, and so he's going to come and he's going he's to battle against us. We are in a fight. We are in a warfare. And it's important that we not allow ourselves to become casualties in that warfare. We, we don't want to be people who go AWOL. We don't want to be deserters. We certainly don't want to be prisoners of war. But the enemy is, is so successful in achieving that, and that enemy being the flesh and the world and the devil. I don't want to, I don't want to lose this fight. I, I don't want to have started, having started well, to not finish well. I want to live out the rest of my days for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the good news is this. God welcomes us back. He's gracious. He understands. He remembers our frame that we are but dust. He's a faithful high priest who's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. But he knows what it's like to live in these bodies of flesh. You know, if, if Christ hadn't come, if he hadn't come and, and lived 33 years in this world, if he hadn't come as a man and, and lived in a body of flesh, we might be able to, to shake our finger at him and say, you don't, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to live in this world. You don't know what it's like to, to face the temptations that we face. You don't know what it's like to, to suffer pain and, and anguish. But he did come. And he did live in a body of flesh. And he did face all that we face he understands. He remembers our frame that we are but dust, and He cares for us, and He's there for us. And His goal for us is that we would stay true to the fight, that we would live our lives in light of eternity, that we would lay hold on eternal life, that we wouldn't allow the the things of this world to defeat us, nor to discourage us, nor to turn us aside, to cause us to to go about living for the things of this world that we would live for him and for his kingdom you know we started on wednesday night in our global impact celebration and and we talked about just the the reality that missions conferences are nothing but a business meeting of the church where we vote to determine the fate of the heathen and what we said we would do is that we would vote yes and you know i believe we did that i believe we did that amen i believe we did that And it would be wonderful if coming out of that, everything was rosy. It would be wonderful if we were here today with a full house of people and and there were no issues and no complications and no problems. That's just not the case. The issue today is we're in a fight. We're in a fight collectively and we're in a fight individually. And we have a decision to make. and the question is simply this will I still say yes you know a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night a week and a half ago on a Wednesday night it was easy it was easy for me to say yes but it's easy for me today to think man God we we said yes and yet now we're dealing with difficulty I think God wants to know if we will still say yes. Even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of a fight, even when things are discouraging, even when things are difficult, will we still be willing to say yes to his will and to his way and to what he's called us to? I believe we will. I just wanted to remind us today, it's going to be a fight. We are in a war. The war is for the glory of God and the souls of men. And we need to choose to continue to go forward for his honor and for his glory. Father, we love you today, and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. We're grateful today that you have given us a copy in our language that we can understand. We thank you that you speak to us out of it. We're grateful today that we know that you are our Father, that you love us and you care for us, that you're provision in your protection is sufficient for us father today in the midst of crisis in the midst of difficulty in the midst of struggle in the midst of, of heartbreak we bow and, and in faith confess that you are still a good father we love you and we're grateful for you and father we're grateful for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom And, Father, today we afresh and anew commit ourselves to you and to what you desire to do in and through us individually and in in and through us corporately. Help us, Father, to fight a good fight that we might finish our course and keep the faith until the day that you call us to be with you. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to sing a song together. Rather than walking forward in response to this, many of you are watching online, I wonder if we would just sing this song together and corporately confess that we'll just say yes. We'll just do what you call us to do. We're going to be obedient to you. Join the praise team as they lead us in this song.
1: Let's sing these words together now. I'll say yes, Lord, yes.
0: This morning, and mean it with all of our hearts. Uh, God has a will, He has a plan, He has a purpose, uh, and our responsibility, our opportunity, our privilege is to say yes to Him and what all He wants to do in and through us. I appreciate so much you joining us. Those of you who are in house today, those who've joined online, uh, thank you for joining us today and worshiping with us. Uh, just uh, by way of reminder, Uh, We will not be meeting tonight, so there will be nothing on campus tonight. No Awana, no uh, Cost of Discipleship, we'll just push that a couple of weeks. Uh, No uh, Discipleship two classes, no MTT classes, nothing on campus tonight. Uh, No small group meetings on campus next week, but we will meet virtually, and I encourage you to get connected with a group virtually. Uh, In a Zoom meeting or some on Facebook, there is the Facebook Live going out uh, for small groups uh to to a broad group if you can't get into a zoom group uh there's a facebook live group that you can get into so i, I encourage you to avail yourself of that opportunity uh and then next sunday night nothing again on campus we're giving it these 14 days uh to just let everyone heal and giving a space for that uh and then on the 18th we will plan to come back with uh small groups on campus and with our sunday night uh, schedules so uh, just be reminded of that. Let me encourage you to certainly be praying for those that are sick, uh, in, reaching out and encouraging one another, uh, reaching out and serving one another. If you see opportunities, if you see things that we can do uh, as a staff, the church office certainly is open, and if we can help in some way, don't, don't hesitate to call on us to be a part of that and to, to help uh, one another and minister to one another in, uh, in these difficult times, okay? Uh, I do, uh, again, appreciate you being here today and appreciate those of you who've joined us online. When we, when we come back on campus, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to say it anymore. <laughs> uh, straightforward. We, we, we have to maintain social distance, and, and when we can't maintain social distance, we have to wear a mask. Uh, this is going to be imperative to our being able to move forward. So please, 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 please help us. Cooperate with us, okay? All right. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. We're going to be dismissed. If you have concerns about being able to exit without folks being around you, uh, I will give you liberty to, to uh, leave while I pray. Father, we love you. We are grateful today that we have victory in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, uh, for who you are. Thank you for how you have watched over us and cared for us and protected us. Father, we are grateful for your goodness in our lives. And Father, even in the midst of of difficulty and uh, struggle, we know that you are still a good Father. You love us and you care for us and you provide for us. Uh, And Lord, we give you honor and glory for that. We pray for those that are sick. Uh, Father, many in our congregation who are struggling, uh, again with, with COVID, but also with other illnesses and different things going on, and those who've lost loved ones in recent days in such a difficult time to go through grief. Uh, Father, I pray for your your strength for them, that you would be the God of all comfort for them as well. Lord, uh, we need you. Uh, We confess that. We need you to keep our hearts and minds. Uh, We need you to bring every thought into captivity to to the obedience of your son, Jesus Christ, and the authority of your word. Help us, I pray, uh, in the name of your son. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.